I believe what we need to understand from this is that if we are truly born again, truly Holy Spirit-filled, then Jesus will trust us with the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then when we bind whatever, we will be binding something in line with Jesus' will. And when we are losing something, we are losing something in line with His will. The righteous choice will flow from the love relationship we have with Jesus. But we should not expect to selfishly and recklessly just go around binding and loosing whenever we think and expect a magic trick to take place. He will not trust us if we do that. Binding the lies someone believes and the demons that torment them and loosing the truth of God over their identity and over their purpose through repentance and salvation remains the most kingdom-minded and righteous thing we can do. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, how was that worship? I had a great time. I could keep going all day. Whew. But I know it's, it's uh, already close to our finishing time. Um, and I, I, I do have some people in my life who always tell me to preach shorter. So today, they'll be happy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Since we started a year ago, we focused on journeying with each of our church's values. The first one is to encounter God. And we looked at people in the Bible who have encountered Jesus. Then we moved over to the Align series. How can we align with God's purposes for His kingdom and for our lives? And then we started looking at what does it mean to reign in life? And that's the series that we are busy with currently, is the Reign in Life series. That's just to bring some of you up to speed. And the last few Sundays, we've been speaking about the kingdom. And today, I want to continue with what we started last week, which is a message called The Keys of the Kingdom. First, I want to remind us of our key scripture for this series. It's Romans 5.17, and it reads, For if by one man's offense, he's referring to Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will, everybody, reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Who wants to reign in life? Thank you, Jesus. So today we're going to speak of the, key, the keys of the kingdom too, like a good sequel movie. <laughs> and I want to show you again just what we discussed last week briefly and then bring you into what I feel God wants to say to us today. I will be honest, I 
Not that I was lying up until now. I don't know why we say that. Let me be honest with you. Because up until now, I've been lying. <laughs> it's, a, it's the weirdest thing we say, right? <laughs> anyway, um, I, wanna, I, I was thinking of not preaching today to save, to get to the cupcakes quicker. But then I, I realized that would not be serving God and seeking the kingdom first. So I am going to preach but I may not finish everything I want to share with you today. So we may have Keys of the Kingdom 3 next week. We'll see how it goes. So to recap, we read this amazing scripture in Matthew 16 from verse 13, where it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they, so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then I asked you guys, how many of you know exactly what that means? And the room was very quiet. So it's good that we're talking about this. This ties in with another verse I want to remind you of, Revelation 1, 17 to 18. This is where it's the revelation of Jesus Christ to John and he hears a voice like rushing water behind him and he turns around to see a figure that is amazing. You must go read the description. But then it says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and the keys of death. We saw from these scriptures that Jesus may have been referring to himself and or to the revelation that Peter had about him when he was talking about, on this rock I will build my church. Most people believe he was only referring to Peter I feel that Holy Spirit has showed us he was not only referring to Peter, but he could well have been referring to himself, Jesus, as the rock on which his church was built, and also on the statement that Peter made, which was, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you don't, if, you, if I'm going over it too quickly, go back to last week's sermon and please listen to that. Holy Spirit revealed to us that the gates of Hades are just that, gates. And therefore, they cannot attack us as children of God. We saw that for many, for a long time, Christians or many Christians believe that that scripture where it says the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, the church, means that we need to be in a defensive position. But we are actually supposed to be in an offensive position where we are called to breach the gates of Hades. Hades symbolizes death. Dead people who don't know Jesus. It's not people who have already died and are lying in the graves. It's people who are dead in the sense that they haven't met Jesus. People that are dead in the sense that if they don't get saved, they will go to hell. Now, scholars differ. Between, some believe Hades means hell. I believe from the scriptures and from the stuff that I've researched that Hades is specifically talking about death, 
spiritual death. And hell is the place where you go when you don't decide to follow Jesus or when someone did not go and breach the gates of Hades to fetch you, tell you about Jesus so that you can get saved and have eternal life. Are you with me? All right. Jesus says he will give Peter the keys of the kingdom, that whatever he binds on earth is bound in heaven, in heaven and whatever he will loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I told you that I went to look at the meaning of the Greek word whatever, and it says the same thing, whatever. And then we see from Revelation 1 verse 18 that Jesus has the keys of Hades and death. He is saying this to John. I have the keys of Hades and death. So there's a possibility, and I share this with you, that even in this scripture from Matthew we read that Jesus was prophesying what he would do through his death, burial, and resurrection. He himself went to breach the gates of Hades, which couldn't prevail against him. To conquer death itself, fetch the keys, and in this way, he made the way for us, the church, the ecclesia, the assembly of the called out ones, his children, his brothers, his sisters, his co-heirs, he made the way for us. Can you see that? You're not nearly excited enough about that. This is how we will change the world, people, is by knowing this and living this out every day. You will look at your coworker that doesn't know Jesus in a different way when you know that you have nothing to be afraid of because the gates of Hades that's holding him captive cannot prevail against you. You don't get it. It cannot prevail. We are not supposed to be afraid of the gates of Hades. That's not what Jesus is saying. We are supposed to be confident, even cocky. And go up to the gates and say, you cannot stand because Jesus has already given us the keys. He's fetched it. He's done it. Then we looked at the parables of the kingdom of heaven. There are many parables that Jesus start by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. It could be a song. Um, and the ones that I focused on last week quickly was to the parable of the sower and the parable of the tares. Now, Jesus himself says in Matthew 13 that the purpose of the parables is, in 13.11, um, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So when we get the parables, we understand what the kingdom is. Why did we say this? Because if we get the keys to something and we don't know what it is for, the keys are useless. Have you ever found a key in a drawer? You're cleaning out your house. You're, cleaning, you're finding keys and you go, I have no idea what this is for. So the key is useless. You could maybe stab a fruit with it, but that's about it. I don't know why I said that. That's random. <laughs> Jesus then explains in Matthew 13, 18, what is the meaning of the parable of the sower? I'm not going to go through those scriptures now. It's going to take up unnecessary time. And in Matthew 13, 37, he explains the parable of the tears. And every time it is contrasting the kingdom of God with the kingdom of darkness, two kingdoms. It is doing that the whole time. And it's saying that Jesus spoke, some took it, some didn't. There is a division between the two. He never explains a middle ground between the two kingdoms. Never. I want to bring a new scripture to the context today. Matthew 6, verse 31 to 34. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. This is still part of the 
Sermon on the Mount that most of us will know. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But first seek the kingdom of what? Of God, so that we can, and then, in his, and his righteousness. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. How many of you worry constantly? Hands up. You are disobedient to Jesus. He said, don't worry. So when you worry, you're disobedient. What do you do with your child when they are disobedient? You punish them. Discipline them. Just putting it out there. I want to share scriptures with you that confirms the keys of the kingdom of heaven that we just read about in Matthew 16. Listen to Matthew 18, verse 18 to 20. It's, he's speaking in a different context, but giving the same truth. This is about when a brother is sinning and you need to... Can someone save my child? Thank you. It's talking about when, is she okay? Is she breathing? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. It's speaking about when a brother, someone in the church, someone that you know has sinned and you go talk to them and they don't listen and you go with another witness. They're talking in that context, okay? So it says, Assuredly, I say that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's the same exact wording that he said two chapters before this. Again, I say to you, listen to this, people. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. How many of you have abused this, this verse? I agree with my wife that we want that house. Amen, glory, hallelujah. John 20, John 20 verse 21 to 23. This is after Jesus' death and resurrection. He has already died on the cross. He was resurrected. He's now appearing to his disciples. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As, to, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Listen to this. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to this statement. If you, disciples, forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Okay, now let's bring us all, all these elements together. Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my assembly of called out ones. That's what ecclesia means. That's what, that's what church means. The assembly of the called out ones. And he says, on this church or against this church, the hate, gates of Hades will not prevail. The church is supposed to actually take an offensive stance against sin and death. Because sin leads to death. We should be focused on how we get the next person who is dead in sin to come alive in Christ. That's how we should get up in the morning. How am I going to lead more people to Jesus? Because they are dead. 
and the gates of death will not prevail against me, so I can go. Is your mind being blown? Five of you. All right. I'm going to get to the rest. We are given the keys of the kingdom with two functions. He says, here's the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose. All right. The parables reveal two distinct groups of people. Two types of keys, two groups of people. Those who respond positively to the message of Jesus and accept Him as their Lord and Savior, and those who don't. And those who don't are divided in other categories. The parable of the sower shows the other categories of degrees of coming close to being saved to not even considering it and rebelling against Jesus. But they are still in the category of not being saved. Coming close to being saved is not saved. You aren't almost pregnant. You are either pregnant or you're not. You're not kind of married. You're either married or you're not. You're not kind of a Christian. We speak in Afrikaans, we say, I was a great Christian. He's a big Christian. What is that? Is he overweight? That's not nice. How can one Christian be bigger than another? You are either saved or you're not. I know what they mean. But maybe their greatness of their Christianity should challenge you and pull you up. There are two kinds of keys, two groups of people. Death, life. Eternal death, eternal life. Two options. Remember my first sermon on this series was a tale of two kingdoms. I spoke to you about Charles Dickens' book, The Tale of Two Cities, with a famous quote that says, it was the, the worst of times, it was the best of times. You remember that? Each of the kingdoms is accessible with a key. Bind and loose. Can you see that Jesus has actually given true born-again believers immense authority? Can you see that? Jesus has given us massive amounts of authority and influence Overwhelming power. The ability to literally make life and death decisions has been given to us. Can you see that? Have you, have you ever realized that? Are you getting excited about it? Or are you freaked, freaked out? Who's freaked out about it? Who doesn't know what it means? Be honest, this is not normal. Like, we don't know this. I've never heard this preached before. When God showed this to me, I was like, what? I'm sharing with you what God is sharing with me. And it blows my mind as much as I hope it does yours. I have seen, and I'm sure you have it as well, you've seen people binding and loosing things. And I've tried it myself. But it didn't work the way that I wanted it to work. Right? Have you ever seen people binding and loosing stuff or loosing a Ferrari? I lose a Ferrari here on earth. Let it, and then one day you get to heaven. Here's your Ferrari. I'm like, I wanted it there. I'm kidding. But I was trying to wield it like a magic trick. I was applying it in a selfish manner. I was applying it in a foolish manner. I've been given keys. But if I don't use it, in the right way, 
with the right revelation, knowledge, and understanding, I will abuse the keys, and they won't work. Look at John 20, 21 again. Does this look irresponsible to you? The resurrected Jesus appears to the disciples, and he gives mere mortals the power to set free or to condemn, to forgive sin or not to forgive sin. What? But look properly. Can you see how this lines up with Matthew 16? I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay. Now remember, we always need to keep the whole Bible in mind. We have to read it in context and stay within the spirit of humility and total dependency on God. All right? We see the Bible in context. Now, remember these scriptures in the context of what we are talking about. John 15, 7. Jesus says to his disciples, If you abide in me, and my words abide, live in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. There's a big if at the beginning of that sentence. If you abide, live intimately close to me, and my words, how do you know His words? You read the Bible, you make it your own, and when you open up your mouth, the Word of God is coming out. And it changes your thinking, it changes your heart, it changes your desires to His desires. Encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life. Can you see that? Woo! Come on. Psalm 112. This is one of my favorite verses. I think I preached on this the very first sermon. Blessed is the man. This is how this... This beautiful psalm starts, Psalm 112. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in obeying His commands. When was the last time you got excited about obeying rules? Anyone? I know some people love their... Let's not go there. But can you see? Blessed, it's an if. You are blessed if you fear the Lord and obey His commandments. Okay. John 14, 15, Jesus Himself says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do I know I love Jesus? The fruit of my life is obedience to Him and His Word. 1 John 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. How can His commandments not be burdensome? Because when you love Him, you do it out of love. Okay, I'm almost there. Also, it's important to note that uh, in John, that Jesus breathes on them and tells them to receive Holy Spirit. But the day of Pentecost only came later. This moment where Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, is not the day of Pentecost. Maybe they got a bit of a foretaste. I'm not sure exactly what happens there. Or maybe Jesus was saying, it's coming. I believe what we need to understand from this is that if we are truly born again, truly Holy Spirit filled, then Jesus will trust us with the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then when we bind whatever, we will be binding something in line with Jesus' will. And when we are losing something, we are losing something in line with His will. Can you see that? The righteous choice will flow from the love relationship we have with Jesus. 
But we should not expect to selfishly and recklessly just go around binding and loosing whenever we think and expect a magic trick to take place. He will not trust us if we do that. Binding the lies someone believes and the demons that torment them and loosing the truth of God over their identity and over their purpose through repentance and salvation remains the most kingdom-minded and righteous thing we can do. When you go through the gates of Hades and you get the dead people that don't know Jesus, you are loosing them from eternal death and you are binding the lies over their lives. Is it only for that? No. But that's where it all starts and it's the most important thing. Do you think God will trust you with loosing millions with your plans if you haven't led one person to Jesus? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I'm not God. But it just feels to me, it makes more sense that if we are truly seeking the kingdom first and its righteousness, we will be leading people to Jesus. And then out of relationship, out of love, God will say to us, okay, now you can buy this property. Now you can do that deal. And then we loose the billions and the trillions with which we can shift the atmosphere, shift the world for Jesus. Amen? Church, I know it's late, and I know you're tired, and I know the kids have been busy, but please listen to these last two lines. I actually have it up on the screen for you. When we wake up in the morning and open our eyes and start to pray, speak, love, and move, the gates of Hades should shudder. Oh no, here those people from Lovekey Church are coming. Hide the dead people so they can't save them. That is what should happen. Do we get up that way? Ooh, I'm up. There's trouble. Some dead people are coming alive today. Yes. Listen to this. But we have been given the keys by Jesus himself. Through him, we have overcome sin and death. That's what reigning in life means overcoming sin and death, and we can help others to do the same. Let's do it. Are you ready to do this? We can't do it on our own. As a church, we do this together. Amen? All right. Can we please take a moment now, just close our eyes, focus on Jesus, and I want you to respond to Jesus today by answering this question, not to me, but to God Himself. Just, let's just close our eyes and focus on Jesus. Let's answer this in our spirit being to God today. How will you live from this moment on knowing this truth from the Word of God? Will tomorrow and the days that follow of the rest of your life be different or just the same? Do you know that you have the keys of the kingdom of heaven? Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you know what they are for? And are you willing to use them? Lord Jesus, I honor you, I glorify you, I praise you, and I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can I thank you that we can celebrate one year of being Love Key Church. You are amazing. You are faithful. 
We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Lord, every testimony that we saw today, every sermon that was preached, every message shared, every marriage touched, every family healed, every physical healing, we, we just thank you. We worship you. We glorify you. Everything that has happened, Lord, is by your grace and for your kingdom. And Lord, today I pray that you will bless us, strengthen us, and guide us as we move forward into a new year of this church. Lord, I thank you that I can ask with my church people that you will provide the right next venue for us and that you will provide the funds. Lord, I do believe we are moving in the direction that you want for us. So in humility with my church members today, Lord, we loose in the name of Jesus, the right venue for us. And we lose the funds necessary to do that with excellence and with effectiveness. And I thank you that right now that you bless every person in this room, every marriage, every family, every child. Thank you that you cover us, bless us and keep us and make your face shine upon us. We worship you. We love you. and We give you all the glory. Amen and amen. Please, I know we're late, I know. But, you know, I'm going to manipulate you and say that you have to stay and have some cake and coffee and cupcakes. We love you. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you, your marriage and your family. Bye-bye.